Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you today. My name is Paul. They let me be the lead pastor here at Crosstown. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you're, you know, uh, interacting with another human being, whether it's collectively or individually, sometimes you got to figure out what is the intention of the, the person that I'm interacting with. I don't know if you do that, but I got like this little police scanner that goes on in my brain. Try to figure out what do they want from me? What do they want from me? Okay, I, oh, I see where this is going. But and it just goes back and forth. Let me just tell you what our intentions are towards you today. We don't want your money. Uh, I mean, we'll take it if you want to give it to us. But 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 seriously, you don't have to. Just keep it. Um, we uh, don't want to control you. Uh, we don't want you to join our special little club that we have here. Um, what we want to have happen for you today is that you rest in the healing love of Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father, and that you discover that because it will become the power that will catapult your life forward in the ways that he wants it to go. And we just want to be a part of that. So however you came in here, and I know that, you know, um, you got a valet key with your heart, don't you? You know, you'll let them park it, but you give them that special key that key that you really can't do a lot with, you can't get in the glove compartment, but you can park it for me. And so maybe uh, over the next few minutes together that you could give God your total heart, not just your valet key, and uh, that he can speak to your heart. You know, um, we're going through a journey of growing together. And uh, sometimes God will plant an idea in my head, a word that expresses his desire for me and also for us as a church, where he wants us to go. So, so when you hear somebody say that they hear from God, if you're like me, I'm a bit of a skeptic, I get a little concerned about people who hear from God. But let me just say, whenever and whatever we do here at Crosstown, um, if it does not resemble or embrace Jesus, then we encourage you to ask questions or to leave, because that's what we're supposed to be about. Also, everything that we do here, we journey in a way that is guided by his revelation as it is put forth to us in scripture. So when I talk about what God wants us to do and what God's speaking to us this year as a group of people, it's all in the context of Jesus and in the context of his word. And there are sometimes, if you go through the Bible, there are sometimes that the books of the Bible were all true, but they were written to different people in different situations in their life. So it's the same truth, but sometimes when Peter was writing to his crowd, he, they had this issue here. And then when and Matthew was writing to this group over here, um, they had different things. And Paul would write to one church and then write to another church that was, it seemed different, but it was addressing what was going on in their hearts. And this year, God is challenging me, and I believe us together, about living beyond the voice of lack and beginning to abound in life. You know, last week I talked about, if you weren't here, not everything's, not everything's amazing. You know, you think that a pastor is right and perfect every single time. There is no such pastor. So sometimes if you come up and say, listen, I, I need to hear what God's saying to me, I recommend that you listen to last week's message. Last week's message, we talked about the power of, a lack, of lack in our lives as Americans, how it drives us to hate a very good car, to move out of a very good house, to uh, leave a very good marriage, to um, constantly second guess ourselves and question ourselves because we are always been told that we're lacking. And then we get these uh, uh, lack attacks. Have you ever had one of those when you're kind of just like going throughout the day and all of a sudden you feel like, I mean, it, please excuse the language, but it, like you just think you suck totally, you know? And you're just like, you know, my life's not going well. Everything about me is wrong. And and, you know, I, I'm, too, I'm too heavy, uh, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not handsome enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not making enough money. I mean, we are just sold lack. There's, when was the last time you saw a commercial that came on and the spokesman comes out and just walks up with the microphone? I've got 30 seconds to tell you, you're doing all right. You know, you're, you're okay. All right, that's it. And then all of a sudden went on to another commercial. That doesn't happen. All that, all that we are told is the exploitation of that which you lack. And we do lack. 
We, there are things about us that are insufficient. But we learned last week that the lack of our souls can be filled with the sufficiency of Christ. And there's such a strength when, okay, yeah, you need to lose weight. Yeah, you, you need to save more. Who doesn't need to save more? And, and yes, you need to get along with your mother-in-law more. And yes, you, you, know, you need to dress better or whatever it may be that you've gotten into your head. But there's gotta be a point when you come back to this foundational idea inside your soul but I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is well with my soul. I am loved by God. I am his. And this is what Paul would always address when writing to his churches. I love the guy. I mean, just, I love him. Um, and when he started talking to the Philippians, as we go through our study of the book of Philippians, there's this theme of abounding that takes place. But he has to start off addressing this issue of lack like we did last week. Let, let me show you how his letters start out. It's uh, Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints that are in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, so... He writes this letter and he's like, we're going to get into abounding, but I need to address the lack in the room. And he, and he, and he says, so grace, but he, he calls every one of them saints to the saints who are at Philippi. And, and it's like, what? I was raised Catholic and it, it's cool. I mean, you know, uh, I got, you know. It's, yeah, it's kind of cool. If you haven't been Catholic, you know, you might want to be one once, you know, it, but it's a really cool thing. Um, and, but saints were things, were people who did amazing things 600 years ago. They died and then we dug, them, dug up their bones, were able to perform some miracles. And therefore the Pope comes along and says, I dubbed thee a, a saint. But Paul writes to a group of people that are like you and I. And he says, to those who are called by God, to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus. And I don't know if you thought of yourself as a saint before. I would have thought when the saint word was being used, it's being used about perfect ones. To all the saints, the perfect people who are at Philippi. And you say, well, how do you know that's not what he's doing? It's because he's going to address what's wrong in some of the behaviors of the people of Philippi. So they're not perfect. But he cannot start from a position of lack. He's, he's, he's starting them from a position of strength in the sufficiency of Christ. He said, so he's right to the saints who are at Philippi, not the perfect ones, not the ones who don't look at porn, you know, because we tend to think that's the crowd he's talking to, the saints, the ones who don't struggle with porn. I mean, I'm not going to make light of it, but who isn't? struggling with porn. I mean, it, uh, and if I was to add up my life of walking with Christ since 1981, when I bowed my knee to him and all the way to now, and I could only consider myself a saint when I didn't struggle with lust or envy or jealousy or porn or whatever, I'm telling you what, I've only been in the kingdom then for about an hour and a half, okay? And so he's not saying to those who don't struggle with porn, to those who don't struggle with addictions, to those who don't struggle with, you know, hating their mother-in-law, to those who don't, you know, uh, to those who don't doubt. That's not, he's writing to the saints. He, and um, I, I think to those, he's not writing to just those who work in the nursery because they're saintly. I mean, go back and look at my wife. You go back, you'll say, well, which one's your wife? She's about this far off the ground. She floats. And she has a little halo and just little bit of little wings that kind of flap on the back of her. Why? Because she works with the channel. You're such a saint. Now, he's writing to a group of people here that struggle with alcohol. They're struggling with uh, sexual identity. They're struggling with attitudes towards other people, forgiveness, and all those other things. But he says, listen, we cannot make positive, abounding change in life if we first don't feel the lack of the soul, which is... I am sufficient in Christ Jesus, in his sufficiency. 
I am loved of God, called of God, chosen by God, child of God, cherished by God. I am written on palms of the hands of God himself. I am the apple of his eye. And I tell you what, when you get that into your soul, that's where abounding begins. Not when you become perfect, because that will never, ever happen. So it's so important that trusting who you are to God must be first in your life. You know, I see a lot of these thinking commercials like, love yourself first, love yourself first. And I know it sounds right, doesn't it? It does technically sound like you gotta love yourself first. But I, I don't know about you, but I have tried to love myself first a, for a really long time. And it ain't working. Because I always find something wrong with me when I find that. I, I need something better than just loving myself. It's constantly like a hole that I keep pouring water into. And so no matter what, money doesn't fix it, sex doesn't fix it, success doesn't fix it, even religious good works doesn't fix it. So if you came here to today because you thought, well, I better go, it's Sunday, and I was raised Catholic, and if I don't go to church on Sunday, it's a mortal sin. Isn't that cool? They have mortal sins in the Catholic church. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like you got venial sins, that's kind of like I took a cookie when nobody was looking, and then you got mortal sins. That's when you don't go to church on Sunday, you know? And it's like, oh my goodness, what a threat. You know, what constantly under the pressure, but Baptists do it, we do it. We all come up with some sort of metric that if you're a Christian, real Christians don't do this, you know? And, and I love it because he's just, he's creating this place of them being safe for the, they, so they can experience God. So why abound? Um, why, why is that the theme? Why, um, well, it came to me a couple different ways, but there's one way that it particularly spoke to my heart and I could really see it. I was, I, um, was taking a walk with Ireland the other day. I love hanging out with my grandkids whenever they're around. And um, I live in the country and I live on a dirt, uh, dirt gravel road. And, and so sometimes when she comes over, she'll say, Papa, you wanna go for a walk? And you know, she's only like four and a half years old. So it's, it's really cool. And, so uh, it'll be like, okay, let's go for a walk. And so we'll, we'll walk and you'll hear the crunch of the gravel underneath our feet and we're walking. And then all of a sudden she'll look over me and say, uh, uh, Papa, uh, let's run. And I'll be like, okay, all right. And so, so we'll start a little jog and, and sometimes I'll walk when she's not looking and then she'll turn around and look, Papa, let's run. And I'll be like, okay. So we start running and, and then, so when I get running and I'm like, uh, and then we'll get to the point, she'll say, Papa, let's race. And then she'll say, I'll race you to that mailbox. And, and I'm like, okay, all right, we'll race. We'll go. So all of a sudden we're taking off racing and I mean, every part of my body is hurting. And so we're racing, but in you think it's like, uh, and then, then we stopped the race and she'll turn around and she looked at me and I remember she goes, Papa, let's skip. Yeah, skipping, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not even talking about man issues here with skipping. I'm just talking about physical issues of skipping. Because you know, when, uh, when you see a four-year-old girl skipping, it's like they leap and then like um, uh, rainbows appear over their head and little wings and, um, and then when they touch the ground, all of a sudden little stars you know, instead of dust, it's like, just comes, and then she leaps back up again, and all the colors, and animals appear in the air, and, and you know, all these cool things, and that's a, have you seen a 64-year-old a man skip lately? It's like an orchestrated dry heave. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's, I would do it for you, but it's like kind of, it looks like, Something like that. I mean, it's not, it's not really, it looks like, uh, what's her name on uh, Seinfeld, Little Kicks? You know, I mean, it's just like, a, when I skip, the, the neighborhood animals start going, you know, dust is kicking up. But when we get back to the house, um, Susan will ask Ireland, how was your walk with Papa today? And she'll say, it was fun. But what I noticed is that under the heading of walking, you know, there was walking, there was running, there was racing, and there was skipping. But all of it would have been classified as we went for a walk. And I thought about that with my relationship with God, that we're called to walk with God. Isn't, isn't that what we, we hear it all the time? It's in the scriptures. 
But under the heading of walking, there is following Christ, there's emulating Christ, there's implementing Christ's behavior in your life, and there is abounding in Christ. And I've been walking with God for a long time, and the length of time that you walk with God isn't as relevant as the quality of relationship that you have with him. But I'm now at the point where I really feel like God wants me to skip with him, to abound with him. Um, and, and I think maybe he wants to challenge all of us about that. See, believing in him is a thing, but it's not the only thing. It's not the only way to go around the block by believing in God. Knowing the Bible is, is a thing, but it's not the only way to travel around the block on your dirt road. Securing and protecting yourself, um, walking things that are right and ethically true is a thing, but it's not the only thing. And God, I think, wants for me and maybe for all of our lives is to us to bound. Um, it's kind of the skipping version of following after God. He wants us to live beyond surviving, beyond just trying to fill a lack. He wants us to live out of the strength of the skip. Now, let me just say, I, I, I thought about the skipping thing a lot because it's, um, but when you skip, I mean, when you're walking, um, there's kind of, a, let me think this, you know, there's a point when both feet are on the ground, right? So, I mean, there's some stabilization. When you're running, there may be, it changes a little bit. But when you're skipping, the skip, and it's like, what are you doing? But it's like, the skip is all related to the back foot. You only go up as high as your back foot is planted in the foundation of it. And God wants us to abound, but it will only be as good as your back foot is grounded in the sufficiency of Christ. It's, 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 you know, if you're just trying to skip to become sufficient, that's not going to work. You've got to be grounded first in the sufficiency of Christ. And so the apostle Paul says, okay, grow in Christ, abound in Christ, but be rooted in Christ, be strong in Christ. So maybe today that's the big thing that God's talking to you about. Okay. And, and it's like, wow, I don't think I am grounded in God. I don't. I don't think he's my confidence. I don't think he's my sufficiency. I, and, and maybe throughout the next few minutes that we got left today, that that will be a conversation between you and God. But God wants us to, who believe in all that, to kind of like, okay, so now that you got your foot firmly planted, how about we skip together? So let's look at this journey of abounding. The apostle Paul lays out to the Philippians in chapter one. He says this, he says, I pray that, you, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment so that you may prove the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I have been filled with the fruit of the righteousness of Christ. But he's like, okay, you're filled. You're a Christian. You, you're trusting God if you're at that place. Now, how about we skip and not just survive? Not just kind of talk in terms of heaven and hell and sin and porn or not porn or, you know, all those categories we tend to let this relationship with God just kind of walk, you know, and go through our daily lives with. So I was really, I thought the word abound was interesting. Um, and then I, I kind of get into it, and I, and I like, why the word abound and not the word abundant? I mean, he said, I wish you had, he could have said, I wish you had abundant love. Um... And I thought about that because Jesus said that you may have life and life abundantly. And I thought it was interesting. Why would he use this word abound? And it's really important to realize that abound and abundant are not necessarily synonymous. Um, abound is a verb. And that's really going to be important. While abundant is an adjective that describes something that is plentiful. See, where, where abundant describes the amount of something... Abound is the action and the motion 
and the increase of flourishing in your life. Most of us want the abundant life, don't we? Paul calls us to the action of abounding to that flourishing. See, we just want it like delivered to us. Here's abundant life, left it at the door, dropped it there like Amazon, just dropping the baggage, here's abundant life. But Paul says, no, I pray that you may abound, that, that there's the action, this, the growing in relationship and love with God, that you would abound in love. And the picture of abundant life is what we all want, but abounding is the action we take to getting it and living with it. And that's what God wants us to do. It's, it's kind of like God is like, hey, you know, I've forgiven you of sin, right? Yeah. So, so let's run, okay? It's like you're running and the God's like, hey, you know, um, we, can even be, we can even do great things together. Really? Yeah, let's race. Yeah, and then you're, you're going along and, and then God says to you, hey, you know, running's good, but let's skip. And that's what God is calling us to do, is to be more than survivors, more than just evaluating ourselves based upon our last mistake. How you doing with God? And, and I'm with you on this. You know, I don't know, man, I really suck. I just did this. I was looking at porn the other day. And I don't mean to be bringing up porn all the time. It's just that it's a big deal and it's all over the place. And a lot of people deal with it. But you know, it could have, could have been anything. And we will only evaluate our lives based upon how how morally perfect we are at the given moment. But God calls us to abound. Um, so what do you abound in? I mean, because you don't just say, hey, I'm abounding today. It's like, no, you abound in something. So Paul tells us what he wants you and I to abound in. That your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge in all discernment. He says that, you, that your love may abound. Now, I hear this word love all the time. I am, I'm from Boston. Uh, yes, we have love in Boston. There is love there. Uh, it's you know, not that big. It's not a lot of it. And it's either directed towards the Bruins, the Patriots, the Celtics, or the Red Sox. Screw the rest of you, okay? So it's, it's not a really big crowd. But we do have love up there. But when I hear the word love, and it may be something about my background or life experiences, when I hear the word love, I'm like, you want me to love more. You want me to be nicer. You know, you, you know all those things. And, and, I, and I don't do good with that. I, I don't have this job because I'm the most loving person in the room. You guys know that, right? I, I, don't, I, I am not that person. But I am called, just like you, to abound in it, to begin to skip in it. So I, I need, so I'm like, okay, God, what do you mean you want me to be more loving? Um, because we define love in a couple different ways, and we'd be right to do so. Um, affection, charity, sacrifice, kindness, and, um, and all those are true, but I have to be honest with you, if you came up to me and say, hey, Paul, you need to be more sacrificial, I, I'd be like, get out of here, you know? I'd be like, move on, you know? Paul, you need, to be, you need to be nicer. It's like, I'm just telling you what doesn't motivate me. And telling me to be more loving doesn't really motivate me. And not only that, it's because I don't really, not always sure I got the right meaning for it. So I kind of asked God to help me break this down into engineering terms. Um, the more implied idea for me that comes from this verse is that love is a quality of engagement in relationship to persons, places, or things. Talk about licking the lollipop. Talk about, you know, throwing out the Valentine card. But sometimes I need to know what we're talking about. And love, as presented in Scripture, seems to be not a feeling. Um, it's, it's not hearts and, and cupids. Love is a quality of engagement. It's kind of a category of how you engage relationships um, with, with people, with places, um, and even with things. But it's, it's kind of a, love is that. It's, it's a, a quality of engagement. So I was looking at it, it's like, 
okay, so God, you want me to abound in a, a, a quality of engagement. It's like, okay, now you're starting to get my attention. Now I'm beginning to figure out what you want for me. And so um, love for me, as I kind of pull it out of the scriptures, is love is the engagement that seeks the highest good in all things at all times. It's like, okay, now you got me, okay? You got, I mean, we could have hidden in temperamental differences. You know, I'm not that kind of guy, or you're that kind of person, or you're more introverted, more extroverted, more freely touchy, and we can use that, and we can blame things. But this, love is the engagement that seeks the highest good in all things. Okay, now I know exactly what you want me to grow in. I can measure that. I, I, okay, so, so when I begin to look at my engagement with people, how I interact with them, see, I used to be into computers before ministry, systems work, uh, uh, mainframes, building PCs, fiber optics, uh, Novell networking, things like that. So how things interface is, uh, is a really good concept for me and how I think about things connect and join together. And so it's like, God's like, yeah, I need you to grow. I need you to abound in the way that you engage with other people. It's like, okay. Uh, so what do you want me to do? I want you to seek their highest good. Well, okay. I think we've been really specific about what God, because there are many words that could have described the quality or the manner to which we engage relationally. And maybe some of these fit you as they fit me. Um, I can uh, engage relationally, hatefully. I mean, sir, that's what it is. Hatefully, it's like, you know, you can engage people that way. Like, let's say you're at work and there's somebody you really like and you engage them relationally like, hey man, did you see that game yesterday? Yeah, that's how we high five. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, that was great. It was an awesome game. Then there's this other guy that comes in the room all of a sudden, yep, and you kind of walk right by. You had two modes of engagement. You engage this person in a loving way and this person you engage hate or you despise them. And we all have this engineering of engagement in relationships with people. Uh, there's another one. How about bitterly? There's just some people you're bitter with. And that's your quality of engagement. Um, how about apathetically? This is one. You're not even trying. You're just not trying. Yeah, we're married. How long have you been married? Oh, uh, you know, about 20 years. Oh. Uh, How's it going? Yeah, you know. It's like, yeah, you know. Does your wife know you just answered that way? I mean, it's like, so you're totally unengaged. Well, we're engaged, we're, we're connected, but, but my, my quality of engagement is to do nothing. I don't tell her what she needs. I don't tell her, I don't talk. I don't, it's just like, hey, I married you. And therefore, that was my level of engagement. And for some of us, that's the quality of our uh, engagement um, in relationships. How about selfishly? That's an engagement. You always want stuff from people. You're all, it's always about you. Um, how about inappropriately? Maybe you're just, your form of engagement is just, dude, it's so inappropriate. You can't talk to people like that. That's a Northeastern thing, okay? We, we tend to engage people a little bit, at times, inappropriately. You know, we F-bomb a lot. We, you know, uh, we're always kind of ready for a fight and all that sort of stuff. It just seems to be like a learned form of engagement. And it's not because we're born and raised in the Northeast, but it's just, you know, no matter where we are on this planet, we can adopt a form of engaging people and then we get stuck in it. See, God is calling us to abound in loving engagement in our marriages, in our, with our children, with our jobs. I mean, this would change everything. With, with our contrarians. Do you have contrarians? I have contrarians. See, that's, um, contrarians, doofuses. Uh, maybe that word makes more sense to you. Schmucks, how, how, how am I doing? People you just don't like, jerks. I've just, people, every one of us, have a group of people who are our contrarians. 
and we have a way of engaging with them. But, but God is like, I want you to abound in loving engagement with people you are contrary with. Let me just tell you this. You know, America better wake up about its forms of engagement with contrarians. Because every Democrat considers a Republican a contrarian. And every Republican considers every Democrat a contrarian. Every pro-lifer considers a, uh, a pro-choicer a contrarian. Every, I mean, you could, we can just go through the list. And so what we're going to end up with is a nation of people who cannot engage. See, that's what canceling is. It's like, I can't engage. I can't engage in love, so I am going to discontinue all engagement altogether. And I'll tell you what, it's going to ruin our country but it's really bad when it's, it's a marriage, when loving engagement um, for the highest good in the other person no longer becomes um, what we're doing, whether it's with strangers or other believers. You know, um, I started reading an article this week that I will probably use in a marriage series, and it was titled, 27 People Who Got Divorced After 20 Plus Years of Marriage. I thought that was like, whoa, I gotta figure out, I'm, I've been married for more than 20 years. Maybe that's me, you know? I mean, I wanted to find out what, what it is. You think after 20 years, maybe you got it made, because we tend to think time is a measure of quality. Um, so what this article was, it was testimonies of people who were married and then ended up divorced. So they actually interviewed them and they, they gave a couple lines of what happened. And let me read them. To you. And let me just say, I had to say this in the first service, got to say it here. Um, you may be sitting next to a spouse that you're going to hear you. It does not mean you're going to end up divorced. But it, you need to get sober-minded on it that this may tell you that you are lining yourself up perfectly to get divorced. So... Um, so listen, uh, one, one of them said this, my husband, as I knew him, just vanished. Just vanished. You know what it's like to have a spouse who just kind of like ceases to be them, the person that you fell in love with, the person that, what, how does that, they just vanish. Another one wrote, we just poisoned the relationship from the inside out slowly. Another one wrote this, Poor communication, not following through on our promises to each other, resentment, letting ourselves go physically, all of it just added up and it killed the marriage. Another one said this, I was married just shy of 30 years. One day, driving home from work, I asked myself, is this what I want my life to be for the next 30 years? It wasn't. I wanted more and I was tired of being told how to live my life. Another one, which is kind of, this one really struck me because they've been married the same amount of time I've been married. We were married for 37 years and had grandchildren. We both retired. His idea of retirement was drinking lots and lots of beer and playing poker online. My idea was to travel with our fifth wheeler and just get out and do stuff together. We had many disagreements about him spending so much time uh, and money on beer and sitting around playing video games all day. Then he met a woman online and eventually he moved in with her. There were more and more personal stories that went on like this. And I looked at it and I'm like, what happened? Did these people start off wanting to invest 20 plus years and then have it all fall apart? I mean, was that... Was that what happened? Were these people just defective, you know? Um, and then, so I'd, I'd just look at it, but for most of them, they were expecting the adjective of abundant without the verb of abounding. They just thought if they met the right person, they married the right person, it's gonna work out. We both, we both root for the Panthers. We both root for Clemson. You know, um, he's got that little doofy smile of his. 
that I think is so cute? Well, it's cute right now. Don't worry, in 10 years, it won't be so cute. You'll want to smack it off his face. Um, I, I mean, all, all the, it's like, were these people? No, no. Someplace along the line, these people were expecting abundant, but they were not verbing abounding. There was no investment going on. There was no striving to be better at this. And I've been married for almost 37 years. I am married to uh, Forbes magazine, one of the top five women in the United States. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I forget what month it came out, but it was, it was there, okay? No, I'm married to one of the most amazing women in the world. But I'll tell you what, even in 37 years of marriage, we have our moments when all of a sudden you see, oh my gosh, we could just be roommates. We could just be co-sharers of a 401k, you know? You also like, you know, and, and I know some of you, I'm reading your mail right now. It's like couples my age and older, they're like not having sex anymore, at least with that person. And it's like, what happens? It's like you just choose to stop the verb and expect the adjective, and it doesn't work. We are called to abound. And I believe that every one of those ones that I read, when that guy vanished on his wife, he stopped, he stopped abounding. He stopped skipping. And Paul's saying, no, I pray that you skip, that you abound in love. These could have really been written about parents and children relationships. You know, are you abounding in your relationship with your kids? It's like, well, they're my kids. And it's like, no, abound. Um, this could have been written about friendships, about churches. I mean, you can have a great church. And then we, we all get systematic theology, right? What you stand on Calvinism, what you stand on end times, what you stand on speaking in tongues, what you stand on marriage, what you stand on abortion, and then lock arms together, hand in arm in arm. This is what we stand for. We are the conservative right. That's who we are and not have a lick of love in any of it. It happens, I'm telling you, it happens to marriages and it happens to churches. And Paul says, hey, I'm glad you're biblical and I'm glad you have ethics and I'm glad that you know the word of God and that's all, but I want you to abound, not in your Greek studies, as good as they are. I want you to abound in your systematic theology and apologetics, apologetics as much as it's good but I want you to abound in love. I want, that's, that's what you guys have got to be good at. That's what your marriage has got to be good at. So I was looking at this. Um, abounding is love, uh, in love brings so much refreshment and renewal and strength and fulfillment into your life. It's incredible. When you, when you, when you begin to allow God to speak and enable you to engage relationally in love for the highest good of other people, everything gets refreshed. You know, me and Susan were walking through Middleton Gardens yesterday, or Middleton Place, or whatever it is. But we were, uh, we were walking through, and we just kind of like holding hands, just loving each other. And it's like, yeah, but you're just a good couple. No, we, we abound in love. Got to remember, I've been divorced and remarried. I know how to screw up a marriage. Just be you. Love yourself first. Go with that. Because he's going to love himself first and find out how quickly that drives you apart. You know, so I know what it's like to screw up a marriage. But I also know what it's like to abound. And Paul says, I pray that you may abound still more and more. And in the Greek language, Paul uses the word abound. And I, I think it's interesting in the Greek um, because it means this. To superabound in quality and in quantity, to be in excess, to be superfluous. Can you imagine having so much love that it's superfluous? Oh, he's just way too loving. She's just overflowing with love. Where do you want to put the love? Uh, Let's see, we got love in the closet in the middle bedroom. You're going to have to put more of the, uh, the excess love. Just go ahead and put it in the back bedroom and put it in that closet. 
I mean, we're talking about superfluous love. That's what he wants us to grow in. I mean, I always wondered why the cross? Why not God just up in heaven, just kind of like he's up there, sees screwed up humanity, sin, all that stuff. Why not just God kind of like says to one of the angels, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna forgive him. I declare thee forgiven. You know, just declare thee forgiven. What's the problem with that? None of us have known it's happened. And so why the cross? Why not just have Jesus walk around on planet Earth, high-fiving everybody, putting her arm around every human being and say, hey, by the way, just want to let you know, me and the Heavenly Father, we love you. And then, boom, he's on his way. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Why, why this visceral, um, superfluous cross? I mean, hanging on a cross before all the world, having your blood poured out, dying for the sins of the world, rejected of men, despised by men. I mean, my God, my God, why is thou forsaken me? Why all this, this visceral language? It's superfluous. Yes, it is. Because your, your soul has a hole in it that is endless unless filled by something that's greater than it. Something superfluous. This is God demonstrating to us how much he loves us because he did not want us to walk away thinking, but does he, does he really love me? Paul says, I pray that your love may abound, that you may become superfluous, to excel, to make more, to do better, to enough to spare, to exceed, to increase, to have leftover, to remain over and above. That's a lot of love. And Paul doesn't stop there. Because I was staring at this verse for a while, and I'm like, okay, so if that word for abound means all that, superfluous, abounding, more than you have, more than you can have, excelling, blah, 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 then why more and more? Isn't that kind of redundant? I mean, it's like you already said, use the Greek word that means more and more. And he's like, yeah, but I mean more and more. It's like, I don't want you to stop. I want you to skip. I want you to leap. I want you to bound forward in love. I want you to have enough love, enough love for your past, enough love for your kids, enough love for your present, enough love for your future, enough love for your dog, enough love for your, the dummies at work, enough love so that you can love yourself, enough love for you can loving God. He goes like, I just want this just to rush over. I just want you to have so much love. Because why? We leak. We are earthen vessels, the apostle said. We leak out. Me and my wife, we leak. We have that kind of a moment today, you know? Um, and, I, you know, I get in my A-type personality on Sundays. I am the least loving on Sunday. Okay, I just want to let you know. So if you're waiting for me to shake your hand on the way out the door, I'm huddled in a room in the back going, oh my gosh, what did I do? You know, but, so, but I, it's all about like, okay, how's Sunday morning going to go? So I wake up in the morning on Sundays and it's all business. I'm reviewing my notes, getting a cup of coffee. Me and Susan are talking a little bit. Then I'm like, okay, uh, let's let the dog out. Don't forget, I, I gotta get my clothes ready. Gotta get ready. Gotta make sure uh, uh, I put my uh, lotion on so the lights don't bother, you know. I need to slap myself in the face so I don't look so white. I mean, I mean, I'm doing, then I got all this stuff and, and they come up here and then, and so I'm out, I gotta be out the door by 10 minutes up. I gotta be there at eight o'clock. I gotta go, 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 go. So guess who I miss in all that? I miss Susan. So I'm rushing, I'm rushing, I'm rushing. You know what I gotta do, right? You know I gotta be there, right? And um, so today I did all that and I'm rushing. I'm not being ugly, but I noticed that she kind of brushed my shoulder a little bit more. Um, and guys, that doesn't mean she wants to have sex. Okay, I know you think every time she touches your shoulder, that's what it means, but it doesn't mean that all the time. But if, I know she touched my shoulder, and then I, and then I heard her say to me, hey, um, remember, you love me. And I'm like, yeah. She goes, remember, you're mine. I'm like, who else wants me? You know, I mean, it's like, what are you talking about? And, I, and I'm kind of like, huh. and so I go to the car and get in the car. And then I look, as I'm driving away, I, I stop because there's my wife in her pajamas on the porch at 36 degrees, 
waving to me, I love you. Um, and I, so I, don't worry, I rolled down the window and yelled, I love you so much. And so I did good, ladies. But you know what? It happens to all of us. We leak. And that's why we need to abound. We need to abound for other people. We need to abound for the people at work. We need to abound. And Paul says, I pray that you may abound. So in our book journey through Philippians, Paul's gonna lead us into real knowledge and all discernment that we need to see to make love abound. Because you may be like me and you, your definition of love is a little screwed up. It's funny, uh, Paul says, I pray that uh, whatever's just, whatever's holy, whatever's pure, whatever's good, whatever's lovely, think upon these things. And I'll be like, yeah, okay. So what's that? So what is, because you know what we've lost in America? What is lovely? What does that mean? Uh, whatever's true. Yeah, really? What, so whose truth? Uh, so whatever's good. It's like, I don't know anymore. And so what we're going to discover is what it is that God wants, how God wants us to engage in relationships with other people, with other things, with other places, and with the highest good in mind. And that's what he teaches the Philippians. So... Abounding is what we're called to. But abounding needs a foundation. Just like that little skipping in your back foot needs a grounding for you to get air. Abounding needs a foundation. It, it flows out of knowing who God is and knowing how much he loves you. It flows out of the sufficiency of Christ in your life, not out of lack. So if you've been judging yourself or you've been evaluating yourself based upon how good of a week you had with porn, and some of us do that, how, good, how much money we gave to somebody or how nice we were in a conversation, um, we'll evaluate ourselves. Oh, I can skip because I had a good week with alcohol or I, I, whatever it may be. Our, rela our relationship's doing good, so I can skip now because I, you know, I did the right things, or I, I went to church, and so I got God off my back, and he's not gonna burn me. I, I'm not gonna go to hell now because I went to church. It doesn't work like that. It's better than that. To as many as receive him, to them he gives the power to be the sons and the daughters of God not born of the flesh, nor born of the will of religious men, but born of God. So if you followed me around, yes, you would hear me cuss a little bit too much. Um, if you followed me around, you might hear me tell a stupid, inappropriate joke once in a while. If you followed me around, you might have seen me not be as nice to another person as I should have. And I know I make a plethora of mistakes just like you. But maybe this is the one thing I do better than you. I know that I am beloved of God. That's why I can say I'm sorry to people. People can come up to me and say, you know, this and this about me. And I'm like, hey, I gotta be honest with you. You're right. And they're kind of like a little surprised. Whoa, you know that about you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So you feel bad about it? Uh, I know I am loved by God. But God doesn't want me just to stay there. He says, okay, now that we're walking together, now that we've run together, now that you're running the race, how about we turn it up a notch? How about let's go beyond your temperament? Let's go beyond your theology. How about we start skipping together? We start abounding in relationship for the highest good of other people your life. So you're going to come up and you're going to receive a cup and a piece of bread. Um, and it's like, why, why, why the body and blood of Jesus Christ? Um, I will admit, it's a little over the top, isn't it? Why not just send a prophet? Okay, why not just send an angel? You know why? Because that didn't get it done, did it? He said, I will send my son. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
It's like, that is way over the top. And I didn't even ask for it. It's like, yeah, but I want you to know how much you're loved. God wants us to know that. So when you take the bread and you take the cup, and you're like, why do we do this every week? It's because you leak. I leak. I'm serious. I leak all the time. I walked out of here after the first service. Susan said to me, hey, how did, how did it go? I'm like, oh, it sucked. <laughs> and she goes, I've just heard three people tell me it was amazing. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's like, oh, it's like, folks, I'm no different than you. But what do I go back to? I'm going to preach better in the second service? I'm going to be amazing. No, here's what I go back to. I'm called of God. I was chosen by God. I'm beloved of God. I'm cherished of God. I'm engraved in the palms of his hands. I am, a, I am loved. I am his. And from that foundation, I can now, with the weakness and the brokenness and the dried bones of my life, I can begin to skip. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love. You loved us. And with this incredibly superfluous love, I can't believe you were so over the top that you gave your only begotten son so that we would get it. So God, today, as we take the bread and the cup, we are affirming, I get it. I may struggle with everything else about me. I may struggle about my relationships. I may struggle about so many things, but today I draw the line. I will no longer struggle with God and with his love for me. God, I pray that every one of us today will walk from this position of strength. Christ, our rock, our foundation, our hope, our strength. David said, the Lord is a high tower where I run in and am safe. Today, God, it is from the safety that we give you thanks. We thank you for Jesus. And it is from the safety we now choose to abound. Thank you.